The fifth edition of the college football playoff rankings came out last night. And once again, Oregon is ranked above Texas. The million dollar question is, did the committee get it right? Who is the best one loss team in the country, Oregon or the Texas Longhorns? You are locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are discussing Texas or Oregon. Who is the best one loss team in the country heading into conference championship weekend? And speaking of conference championships, the Texas Longhorns are playing in one, looking to win one for the first time since 2009. The keys to beating Oklahoma State to making that happen. And in the last segment, used to be a staple on the show, haven't done it much during the football season, but I'm reading your YouTube comments live and direct on the show, reacting to them. I did a crossover episode yesterday uh, with our Locked On Big 12 host, Drake. Uh, always an interesting conversation with him and some very interesting comments as well. So I'm going to read about six or seven of my favorite ones on the show. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So... This is a year, unlike I can remember, really, uh, in college football, where it is super top heavy. And in a 14 college football playoff, the last year of the 14 college football playoff, we're really you know, wishing that this was the first year of the 12 team because there are eight teams going into conference championship weekend that have somewhat of a legitimate shot to get into the college football playoff. And I think there's at least seven teams right now, maybe a conditional eight <laughs> that could win the national championship, right? I would not be surprised if Georgia, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, Oregon, or Alabama won it all, right? And the only reason I would be surprised if Florida State did it is because Jordan Travis got hurt, right? Jordan Travis was healthy. Florida State is a legitimate national championship contender as well. And if you let the football team tell it, right, if you ask Florida State, they still think they're a legitimate national championship contender. So eight teams that legitimate have a chance, legitimately have a chance to not only get into the playoff, but actually win it if they get in this weekend. So it's going to be crazy. And the last edition of the rankings when they come out next week are going to be even crazier. And I'm ashamed to say who I picked preseason to win the national championship because they're not one of those eight teams. Right? I'm not even sure if they're ranked right now. So I'm not going to say it on the show, but they let me down. Right. They quit on their season. I was embarrassed by them this year. When you look at it. Right. Like I said, there's eight teams that probably legitimately could win this year. But the biggest debate for five straight weeks has been who is the best one loss team in the country. And the committee has told us for five week, uh, five straight weeks that they believe it is the Oregon Ducks over the Texas Longhorns, Alabama Crimson Tide, and now the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm not really including Ohio State in this conversation because they're not playing in a conference championship. So every team that wins this weekend should jump them in some regard. But the debate has been Oregon and Texas for five straight weeks. And the committee for over a month has told us they believe that Oregon is better than Texas. Now, on their committee's website, right, because there's a screenshot that's going around on Twitter, mostly among Longhorn Twitter, showing what's on their website and showing us what the committee is telling us that they value, right? But what have we heard and, and said and embodied since we were children, right? Actions speak louder than words. They can tell us whatever they value on their website. But for five straight weeks, they have showed us what they value. And they showed us that they value good losses over good wins. Ohio State and Oregon 
both have better losses, if that's a thing, <laughs> than Alabama, I mean, than Texas, right? Because Oregon lost in a true road game by three points to an undefeated Washington team who was currently in the college football playoff in their conference championship game. Ohio State lost on the road in the biggest game in college football to Michigan, who is currently undefeated in the playoff and in their conference championship game. Texas lost in a neutral site game to Oklahoma, who lost two games to Kansas and Oklahoma State, almost lost to UCF and BYU, and is not in their conference championship game. So if the committee is looking at who has the best losses, then it's no question that Ohio State and Oregon's losses are more impressive, if that's a thing, than Texas's. But why would the committee value good losses over good wins? Because Texas wins that going away, right? Texas beating Alabama on the road is way more impressive than Ohio State beating Notre Dame and Penn State or Oregon beating Oregon State or Utah. So why is the committee not looking at it that way? Because they're showing you that they think that even though you went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama in week two, that's not the same Alabama team that we see right now. And they are showing you that they think that if Texas and Alabama were to play again, the results of that game might be different, right? So now I understand why Texas fans are saying, well, what's the point of scheduling the tough games in the non-conference if the committee's just gonna turn around two, three months later and tell you, I don't know if that would happen again if you played again. That shouldn't matter. Texas has the best win in the country, one of the best wins in the country because they beat Alabama on the road. But instead, the committee is choosing to value tough losses over tough wins. And that is why Oregon and Ohio State have the edge right now. They're also valuing the eye test, right? And Oregon certainly has looked to me, right? Like one of the four best teams in the country just over the course of the season. When you look at the point differential between Oregon and Texas, it is not close, right? Oregon has dominated their opponents all year. In 12 games, Oregon has outscored their opponents. This is insane by 352 points. I'm going to say it again. In 12 games, Oregon has outscored their opponents by 352 points. They have absolutely been dominant, and the committee is rewarding them for it. Texas, in 12 games, has outscored their opponents by 214 points. In the same amount of games, that is plus 138 for Oregon, right? <laughs> right? So if they are basing that off a point differential, then Oregon certainly wins that argument. But I can't blame people for saying, well, you don't have point differential on your website. So why is that something that you're using now? Right. And then they also brought up like Bo Nix's completion percentage. I'm not even going to waste my time debating that on the show. I don't even know how to do said that. Right. So if they're valuing good losses in eye tests, then I think Oregon does have an argument over the University of Texas. But now let's respond to what the committee says their value. Right. They've shown us what they value. But let's respond to what they're saying that they value on their website and various other platforms. And one of them is strength of schedule. And when you look at it, Oregon is ranked 62nd in the country. Texas is ranked 13th. Now, I think this is a little misleading. I'm not making a pro-Oregon argument here for this specific segment, the strength of schedule segment. What I'm saying is when I look at Oregon's schedule, right, just eye test, when I look at it, like the raw schedule, right, that does not look like the 62nd toughest schedule in the country to me, nor does that look like a schedule that just anybody or any decent team would have been able to run through, right? I think this is a scenario where a computer is not able to add context and essentially is lying to us, right? I still think Texas had a little bit of a tougher schedule because of Alabama and Oklahoma than Oregon did, but I don't think the gap is as true as it's showing right now between 62 and 13. I think the computer is lying to us, and I think the reason that the computer thinks Oregon has the 60-second toughest schedule in the country is because Oregon beat an FCS team in Portland State and a five-win Hawaii team, right? 
where Texas beat bowl eligible teams in the non-con in Rice and Wyoming. Wyoming was an eight win football team. Right. So naturally, that's going to prop you up in strength of schedule, while an FCS team and a five win Hawaii team that didn't make a bowl are going to bring you down. Right. So Rice and Wyoming are propping Texas up. Portland State and Hawaii are bringing Oregon down. But to me, even though Texas played two bowl eligible F FBS teams, the principle is the same. Portland State and Hawaii have no business beating Oregon. Rice and Wyoming have no business beating Texas, right? And I think that's the way the committee is looking at it. If Rice and Wyoming were on Oregon's schedule, Oregon would have beat them by 40, 50 points too. So I think that that's kind of manipulating the strength of schedule rankings. Also, when you look at it, Texas's best opponent or best victory, right? Helped them out, right? Like they did them a favor. I was trying to think of what I was going to say. Texas beat Bama. That was Bama's only loss. Bama went 11 and one. So that is seriously increasing your strength of schedule. Coming into the season, we would have said Oregon's toughest game on their schedule was probably USC. It's not Oregon's fault that USC got to two losses and quit on their season because I think Oregon would have beat USC regardless of their record. They've shown in the past two years they can't beat Utah, a team that wins game in the, games in the trenches. Oregon is just a flashier version of Utah, more talent, but still can win games in the trenches. So I think they would have beat USC regardless, but because USC didn't hold up their end of the bargain, quit on their season after losing two games and went seven and five and aren't even ranked right now when they should be at worst a top 10 team. Most people think they should be in the college football playoff. And some crazy people probably picked them to win the national championship before the season started. That is also bringing Oregon way down. So like I said, if you look at Oregon's schedule, if you just look at the raw schedule, common sense will tell you it's not the 62nd toughest schedule in the country. I know we got to get our jokes off. I know we got to get our tweets off. But common sense will tell us that's not the 62nd toughest schedule in the country. So the committee, rightfully so, is not docking Oregon based on a computer ranking and a ESPN graphic right? because Oregon had a tough schedule. Maybe not as tough as Texas, but it was tough. Right. I think a better metric to look at now, the committee is not saying they look at this, but a better metric to look at is strength of record, right? Strength of record is basically saying if every team in the country had this record, would they fare as well as Texas or Oregon did? Texas is ranked sixth, Oregon is ranked ninth, right? So they both did really well based on their schedules. Common opponent is the next thing they look at, and Texas wins this going away, there's no argument. Oregon beat Tech, albeit on the road, by eight points, but that was a one-point game with less than a minute and a half to go before Oregon got a pick six and, you know, kind of you know, up the score a little bit. Texas beat Texas Tech by 50. Texas beat Texas Tech by 50. That's like case closed right there. All right. And then the next thing is championships won. And at this point, this is the only margin that I believe can propel Texas over Oregon. If Oregon loses on Friday and Texas wins on Saturday, then Texas would have the championship edge, conference championship edge, and ultimately have the overall edge over Oregon. And you would have to put a one loss conference championship Texas team over a two loss non conference champion Oregon. So I'm not saying that Oregon should be ranked above Texas. I'm not saying that Texas should be ranked above Oregon. I think both teams are really good. I think both teams could make some noise in the college football play. Right. And maybe I'm pushing by not saying which team I should which team I think should be ranked higher. But I think both teams have really strong arguments. And I think the narrative that Oregon has no business being ranked above Texas is a little false. Both teams are really good. And hopefully the results, you know, take care of themselves this weekend and everything works in the Texas Longhorns favor. Hook up a quick word from our sponsors. And then we get into the keys to being at Oklahoma State on Saturday.
Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, uh, the keys to beating Oklahoma State. Next time I do this, hopefully we're in the playoffs. Right? I'm reacting to the keys to beating a playoff team. Um, you know, Texas is looking to win their first Big 12 championship since 2009, and I think they have a tough road ahead. You know, I know that uh, the spread is double digits. I have predicted Texas to win by double digits and cover the spread, but you still got to go out there and play for 60 minutes. You still got to go out there and out-execute Oklahoma State for 60 minutes, right? And that's a team that, you know, puts their uniform on the same way that you do and they want to win a Big 12 championship just as bad as you do. You know what I'm saying? So that's going to be tough uh, this Saturday. And we know if you've been watching Texas and Oklahoma State for the last 20 years that Mike Gundy, you know, definitely gives Texas some trouble. And my first key to beating Oklahoma State this Saturday involves Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Gundy. Sark has to win the coaching matchup, right? Or they at least have to break even. Right. I think that one of the potential advantages that Oklahoma State could have in this game or when I was talking on Locked on Big 12 yesterday and I said three semi realistic paths to victory for Texas or excuse me, for Oklahoma State is if this comes down to a close game. Right. If this comes down to a game where a few plays decided and this game is in the margins, I could see a scenario based on the last 20 years where Mike Gundy could outpost Steve Sarkeesian and that could be the difference in the matchup. Texas fans have expressed concerns previously, right? I know that he's answered a lot of those this year, but Texas fans have expressed concerns uh, previously about when a game is in the margins, when a game is tight, Steve Sarkeesian's ability to manage the game and effectively call plays, right? I'm trying to think of how to say that, right? That is not a question we have about Mike Gunning. So if this game is close, if this game is tight, if this game is in the margins and you need a coach to sway the team one way or the other, naturally Mike Gundy might have that advantage. Steve Sarkeesian has to prove me wrong and make sure that he at least breaks even or out coaches Mike Gundy on Saturday to get the win for his team. The second thing we want to do is make Oklahoma State one dimension, right? Um, in Mike Gundy's press conference, he said that you can't be one dimensional um, against this Texas football team and he wants to be really balanced, right? Obviously, Ollie Gordon is the leading candidate for the Dope Walker Award uh, right now. They definitely want to run the ball, but this is an explosive offense, period. It's an offense that can throw for 300 to 350 yards with ease. It's an offense that can run for 150 to 200 yards with ease if they want to as well. Texas has to make Oklahoma State one dimension, right? If Oklahoma State is balanced, that means they're running the ball well and then passing the ball off of it, right? And that's going to make it a lot tougher for Texas on Saturday. Even though Texas has the worst ranked pass defense in the Big 12 right now, a lot of that is because teams simply can't run against you. Texas has had leads, and so teams are forced to throw the ball 40 to 45 times, and naturally they're going to accumulate more yards and more stats, right? So them being the worst pass defense in the Big 12 is a little misleading. If you can make them one-dimensional and make Allen Bowman beat you, which I don't think he can, and take Ollie Gordon out of the game, that significantly increases Texas' chances to victory. Like I said, if they stay balanced, because Mike Gunny's not hard-headed, if they stay balanced and if they're running the ball all game, it's because they're running the ball effectively all game. You need to take Ollie Gordon out of the game, force Allen Bowman to beat you, which I don't think he can. And if he does, you walk to the middle of the field, you shake Mike Gundy's hands and you go home and sleep well at night or maybe sleep bad, whatever. But you know that you did everything 
in your power to win and you know that you put forth the best game plan to beat Oklahoma State. Like I said, if Alan Bowman just beat you on Saturday, he beat you. But you don't want to let them be balanced and have to worry about Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon at the same time. That's just too much stress for this Texas defense. Make them one-dimensional. Make them play with one hand behind their back. And I promise you that Alan Bowman will not lead this Oklahoma State team to victory on Saturday. Cedric Baxter and or Jaden Blue need to shine, right? One thing that Mike Gundy also said in a very self-reflective you know, press conference is that Steve Sarkeesian wants to run the ball, right? Like that's the Steve Sarkeesian offense. We want to run the ball and take eight to 10 deep shots a game. Now, I don't know which games he's been watching where we take eight to 10 deep shots a game, but we certainly want to run the ball, right? And losing Jonathan Brooks uh, was a huge loss, right? Because he was the engine that made this offense go. At the time that he was injured, he was 30% of our offensive touchdowns and 30% of our offensive production in terms of yards, right? Now, since Jonathan Brooks has went out, Cedric Baxter has had a 100-yard game, 130 yards from scrimmage, and then Jaden Blue um, had his first 100-yard game as well against Texas Tech. They're going to have to do that on Saturday, right? I am not saying that Quinn Ewers is not capable of winning a game by himself. I am not saying that Quinn Ewers is not capable of winning a game with his arm, but we have not seen that a ton at the University of Texas outside of the Alabama game. Steve Sarkeesian, like Mike Gundy said, when he's in his comfort zone, he wants to run the ball really well and then pass the ball off of it, right? If Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue can't get going, then you're forcing Quinn Ewers to win this game with his arm. And he's certainly capable, but we've only seen it once in his two years, really, at the University of Texas. And I don't want to ask him to do it in the biggest game of his life on Saturday against Oklahoma State. And that's advantage Mike Gundy in the defense if they know that Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue can't run the ball. And Quinn Ewers has to throw the ball 40 to 49 times like he did last year against Oklahoma State. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy mean so much to this football team, mean so much to this defense. Um, you know, why we win games, everything. And I think they have to have somewhat of a legacy game on Saturday, right? He didn't call them out, but he was asked about them specifically. And Mike Gundy said some things that could be taken as bulletin board material. I saw Byron Murphy's tweet 11 a.m. So certainly, I guess they did take it as bulletin board material when he said uh, they asked how he could block Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And then he gave like an X's and O's answer and then like kind of like snarky at the end just said, or we can do what we've done for the last 15 years and block them. I like it, you know, for sure. But if that gets to Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy motivated, you might have done the wrong thing as Iowa State. Um, I think they have to have a dominant game on Saturday, right? Because they just control so much of what we want to do, uh, especially on defense. And I think they can significantly hamper uh, what Oklahoma State wants to do, right? Ollie Gordon has been one of the best running backs in the country, right? But we have not allowed teams to run on us. I think we've only allowed two 100-yard rushers all season. If they can stop Ollie Gordon, that goes a long way into making Oklahoma State one-dimensional and forcing a quarterback in Allen Bowman to beat you, which once again, I don't think he can, right? Also, if you're talking about the pass rush, they can limit that as well, excuse me, limit the passing offense because they can get to the quarterback themselves or if you double team them and make sure they don't wreck the game plan, now you're allowing one-on-one -on -one opportunities for Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke all game. And if they get one-on-one -on -one opportunities all game, they will affect passing plays, whether that be set uh, sacks or just getting pressure on the quarterback, period, right? Speeding up his clock. So I think Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy have the potential to absolutely wreck Oklahoma State's game plan on Saturday. And if they play to their full potential, if they come out and play the way that they played all year, then it's going to be hell for that Oklahoma State offense all game. And four splash plays on defense. That's been the keys uh, really since the Oklahoma game, right? That's why you're 6-0, you know, since that game. Um, and I've said three sacks and a turnover, 
really for the last three, four games. And you've done that, I think, three out of the last four games, maybe four out of the last five. Four splash plays on defense on Saturday, I think, gets you a victory, right? Whether that be uh, a combination of sacks, forced fumbles, interceptions, whatever, right? We want to put them behind the chains or take the ball away and give more opportunities to our offense and take time of possession away from their offense, right? So four splash plays on defense, whether that be sacks, forced fumbles, turnovers, that should give Texas enough to win the game on Saturday. And the last thing is penalties. And I thought about not even mentioning this because I'm not the Texas fan that wants to bring up the rest or wants to bring up the Big 12 or wants to bring up penalties, period. At the end of the day, you have to go out there and out-execute teams for 60 minutes. And if you do it well enough, the refs can't matter, right? But Oklahoma State is one of the most penalized teams, excuse me, one of the most disciplined teams in the country and in the conference, right? Like they don't commit penalties. Texas is ranked at the bottom of the country in terms of opponent penalties per game, right? So all year, only three teams have had more penalties called, excuse me, only three teams' opponents have had more penalties called on them. Excuse me. Oh, my God, I keep saying that wrong. Only three teams have had less opponent penalties called than Texas has, right? So we've seen all year that opponents are playing really clean, in air quotes, games against the University of Texas. But we know that Oklahoma State is going to play a clean game because they've done that all year statistically. All right. I do not see a scenario in which Oklahoma State commits more than three to four penalties in this game. So Texas cannot go out there and commit eight to nine penalties and have a big discrepancy in terms of penalty yardage because the great equalizer. Obviously, Texas is more talented, but the great equalizer is always coaching quarterback play penalties and turnovers, right? And that's why I mentioned all four, right? I'm not sure Alan Bowman can beat you. That's the quarterback play. Mike Gundy, he's a hell of a coach. Steve Sarkeesian has to outcoach them. But penalties and turnovers, Texas has to limit those and make sure that you don't let an inferior Oklahoma State team, you know, get those equalizers and beat you in a game that you should win by double digits. That's what Vegas is saying. And that's what, you know, most people who follow college football think will happen this weekend. So once again, I think Texas covers the spread. I think they go out there and uh, take care of business. This is a motivated team. This is a different Texas team than we've seen in a while, but they certainly have a tough test against them against Oklahoma State. Obviously, Texas should win this game, but you have to go out there and do it right. Games aren't won on paper. It's going to be a 60 minute battle uh, against Mike Gundy and that football team. And, you know, hopefully Texas goes out there and plays Texas Longhorns football and gets their first Big 12 championship since 2009. Quick word from our sponsors. And then I get into some of my favorite YouTube comments from yesterday on the show. Live reaction. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Prize Picks. Remember, please put your Prize Picks locks in the comments. I'm trying to hit today, right? Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, pros and sharks, whatever, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball in the specials league. Your favorite football players, your favorite basketball players, LeBron James, Travis Kelsey, three-pointers made receptions. You can bet it together, 10 and a half, whatever the line is. It makes betting more fun with daily fantasy sports on prize picks. Prize even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half it does not return in the second the player is rebooted prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy in the last three weeks alone i've had a joe burrow reboot and a Lamelo ball reboot in the first half they got hurt left the game still allowed me to make some money prize picks is the only daily daily for <laughs> Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform where you have an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown college 
and use code Locked On College for a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. That's PrizePicks.com slash Locked On College. Use code Locked On College for a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. Drop those locks in the comments. All right, here we go. Here we go. My favorite YouTube comments for yesterday were reacting to them live and direct on the show. First one is from Aaron Hall, 1424. Man, it's nice to hear a Longhorn voice with reasonable and logical takes. Didn't think it was possible. 19 likes on that comment. Um, I hear that a lot, that I am not like most Texas fans, I guess, or at least most Texas content creators, or I don't know. (laughs) I guess I hear that. Thanks. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that says more about me or more about y'all. I don't know. But thank you, Aaron Hall, 1424. Um, glad I could be a refreshing Longhorn voice to whatever team he roots for, whatever fan base he's a part of, I guess. Alan Watts, 2210, my boy. Great stuff, JD. Hoping to see more timely slash frequent, frequent posts from you. Damn, I can't talk today. Hoping to see more timely slash frequent posts from you on Locked on Longhorns. Thank you, Alan, my brother. Uh, it was a really good episode yesterday with Drake. Hoping to see more timely posts. Yes, I, I, I agree. I could uh, post a little bit sooner after the game instead of waiting until Monday morning like I'm on first take or undisputed. Uh, but I work a nine to five and I work hard, man. So I like to enjoy my weekends. And the last thing I want to do immediately after a football game is to get online and talk about it. Right? <laughs> I like to just chill and watch football all day. Um, but, you know, I definitely understand, you know, wanting to be timely and wanting to get that reaction out right after the game. Maybe that's something I'll invest in next season. And more frequent posts from you, um, I'm getting to it for sure. <laughs> I mean, I can't control somebody cutting a wire outside of my house and not being able to record for a week. Uh, but that's a goal of mine for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Uh, this is, I guess, a bot or whatever. I don't know. Great interview. I'm a Pokes fan. It's not a bot. I'm tripping, but it's like user. They didn't come up with a username. Great interview. I'm a Pokes fan and bleed orange, but this is probably going to be pretty accurate to what happened Saturday. I said Texas would cover the spread, and regardless of what happens on Saturday, this Oklahoma State fan is going to have a good day because he has perspective. And I think this is something that lacks in the world, right? We just all need a little bit more perspective. He understands that Texas is better than Oklahoma State. He's just happy to be there. And when Texas wins on Saturday, he's going to have a he's going to go out and have a good day because he has perspective. There's a lot of Oklahoma State fans that are wrongly you know, convincing themselves they're going to win this game. And now their whole Saturday is going to be ruined at 11 a.m. because they think they can beat the University of Texas. So whoever this man is that has perspective, salute to you. And I hope you enjoy your Saturday, even after Texas covers the spread against Oklahoma State. All right. This is another username that was created by YouTube, I guess, rather than the user. Uh, maybe he, he is Steve Sarkeesian, can run up the score like he did against Texas Tech for his last game in the Big 12. He certainly can run up the score against Oklahoma State. Uh, I'm not sure they'll just lay down to the point to where you can. But, I mean, you know, certainly this Texas team is talented enough to run up the score on anybody, really. Um, the thing is, I just don't think it'll matter because I don't think Oklahoma State moved the needle enough to where if you beat them by 40 or 50, they'll be like, oh, damn, Texas is really good, right? Referring <laughs> to the committee, right? For five straight weeks, we have been in the exact same spot at number seven. And we've won all different types of games since then. We beat BYU by 29. We were at number seven. We beat TCU and Kansas State by three. We were at number seven. We beat Iowa State by 10. We were at number seven. We beat Texas Tech by 50. We were at number seven. So I don't think any margin of victory against Oklahoma State on Saturday can move you up in the rankings. I think the only way Texas can move up at this point is if other teams that are ahead of them move down. It's funny how those two schools want to refer to themselves, this is Texas and Oklahoma, as SEC schools, but want the Big 12 to treat them like they're Big 12 schools. You either want to scream your SEC in your last year as the Big 12 school and accept the treatment that comes with that, or you respect where you are, then worry about the SEC validation when you're there. 
Lorenzo Haynes, 38-86. Bless your heart. I don't even know who you root for, but bless your heart. We got one more game in the Big 12 ever. And you pick it now to say that, that 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 we need to realize where we are and have some respect for the conference. Boy, shut the hell up. We about to beat <laughs> we about to beat Oklahoma State pretty bad on Saturday. And I don't care what Brett Yormark or Lorenzo Haynes thinks about it. And we're gonna start another SEC chant like we did in DKR against Texas Tech. I agree with Jonathan. This is my point about if Florida State stays undefeated, even with a backup quarterback, they should make the college football playoff. I agree with Jonathan, but if we're going to use the logic that on-field results matter, we have to apply that to all teams. I agree if Florida State wins, they should be in. However, if Texas wins and Bama beats Georgia, both Georgia and Bama should be out. Georgia would be a one-loss conference loser, and Bama and Texas would both be one-loss conference winners, but Texas has the head-to-head. If we're applying rules one way, we have to apply them always. I absolutely agree in that scenario. Texas should be ahead of Bama and Georgia. If they are not, then that just contributes to the argument that Texas fans are currently making. Why schedule these tough games out of conference if it won't benefit you when it's time to benefit you at the end of the season? And the last one this came from a Texas fan. It hurt my heart, right? It'd be your own people. Bro, it's not a Texas fan. This dude is saying Florida State can beat Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Oregon, Alabama. First of all, I did not say that. I said Florida State is undefeated. And if they win one more game against Louisville, they should not be penalized because Jordan Travis got hurt. An undefeated Power Five Conference Championship should always be in the playoff. And I said we have a precedent of an Ohio State team with their backup, maybe even third string quarterback, winning the national championship. So who are we to tell Florida State that they can't beat 2014 Ohio State, right? That is all I said. I said it's two football games. Anything can happen. And Super Soaker 69's emotional ass, right, came on YouTube and said that I am not a Texas fan. And like I said, that hurt my heart. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Law Horse, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Hey.